I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying touch them all. Way back and gone. Touch them all, Joe Maurer. And now these guys are making it relevant to this year's Twins. Now, our two resident hardball nerds will attempt to touch them all on the week's news surrounding the Twins in MLB. I didn't know they still had a team. That's baseball. Here's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. Welcome to another episode, a uh, baseball down-the-stretch playoff chase episode of the Touch Em All podcast, which is sort of rare for the Twins these days. Yeah. And sort of shocking if you go back to a year ago, in which I think at this time last year, Derek, they were in the middle of like a like a thirteen or fifteen game losing streak or something. And now here they sit, as we record this, going into a midweek White Sox series, a game and a half up on the Angels. And I want you to listen closely, okay? Listen very carefully. Off in the distance, do you hear this? Do you hear that? I, yeah. I- yeah, I can make that. Do you up. hear that knocking noise? Yeah, what is that? That's opportunity. Knocking for the Minnesota Twins because if you look at their schedule from now until September 18th when they go on the road to face the Yankees, they play 19 consecutive games against teams with losing records. If you do the math just for fun here, let's say they go 11 and 8 in those games, which isn't that much to ask for. I mean, it's it's not 19 and 0. Let's say they go 11 and 8 over that stretch. That would bring their record to 78 and 71 with 2 weeks left in the season. Mm-hmm. If they get to 78 and 71 with 2 weeks left in the season, it would take a crazy hot stretch from the Angels or the Royals or the Orioles, the Rays, whatever team would pop up. So they can against these losing record teams, the Royals a couple times, the Rays, San Diego, Toronto for four games, they can pretty much seal a wild card spot by just performing well in the next three weeks. Yeah. Crazy to think about. Well, and it's funny. So we recorded a podcast last week from California, and we talked about their playoff odds having gone from, you know, number fire, I think, is the one you use. I look at fan graphs all the time. And they went from day of the trade deadline. And we kind of both agreed, like, yeah, that sounds right, at 4 to 5%, yeah. whatever it was. And then last week they were at like 33 35%, something like that. They're basically like, okay, there are three teams that might get this spot, and you're one of them. And it's actually mathematically gone down, according to Fangraphs, in the week since we recorded that podcast. But you and I were talking just off the mic a second ago. I think we feel the same way about this, that – Despite whatever the numbers say, whatever the however they come up with their calculations, and I know Fangraphs bought like coolstandings.com, so if you ever used to use that, that's I think that's their algorithm. I did used to use that. There actually. you go. Yeah. Now it's on Fangraphs for for baseball anyway, and it's it's whatever the math says, whatever goes into their algorithm. I actually, as a follower of the Twins, feel more strongly today that they're going to make the postseason than I did. Than I did a week ago. Yeah, that's because you saw Byron Buxton rip uh, well, three bombs in Toronto that over the helps. weekend. And you know, when when the schedule lightens up, yep, sure. But I also I still look at pitching matchups. Like I don't care what your overall team record is very much. I look at you know I, I'm I'm trying to come up with an example right off the top of my head, and it's escaping me. But like if you're facing a bad team, uh, you got the Rays, but you've got Chris Archer. Well, how about oh okay? Doesn't matter. <laughs> sure. It doesn't matter that the Rays are one game below 500. 
That's Chris Archer. Whoever it looks you like know, you're going to avoid Chris is. Archer next week, there which is go. good. I think that yeah, according to the ESPN schedule here, then, Cobb, do, Odorizzi, and Snell. Do you the, do you hear what that what that is? That's actually security. Yeah. <laughs> please <laughs> stop making those up, bad yeah. jokes. Um, so just just some fun with numbers here. If 86 wins gets it done, let's say that 80 86 wins might actually be high. It just depends. Someone's got to get hot to get to to an 86 win. Yeah, uh, someone has to get hot. I think the Twins are projected right now for like 82, 83, just ba- just barely above 500. Yeah, well, they're four games up on 500 right now, and if they were to just play 500 baseball the rest of the way, that would be 80. Four wins? No, 85. 83. 83 and 79. So if they went 500 the rest of the way, it'd be 83 and 79. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Uh, but let, let's say 86 wins is the number. Mm-hmm. Now, at the trade deadline, when they were below 500, you'd say, well, they've they got to play like 15 games above 500 pace or 12 games above 500 pace from now going forward. They haven't done that all year. They're a minus 75 run differential. doesn't make sense. Well, They've been great the last month, and they've made up, I think, 50 runs on that run differential. I was just going to look that up. Their, Matt Belisle has been mostly really good. He's only allowed, I want to say, runs in three of his last like 30 outings. So anyways, to get to 86 wins, they'd have to finish 19-13 and 13 the rest of the way. Which doesn't seem that daunting at all. I mean, that's still a that's a pretty good clip, and you got to win a bunch of games, but your schedule's the weakest of any of the contenders. The Angels, for instance, have to play two different series against the Astros. They still have a series, I want to say, against the Yankees. I mean, they've got, oh, the Indians they for sure play. So the Twins have cleared all those games out. They do have three more against the Indians, but they get they still get two series against Detroit to end the year. So 19-13 and 13 pretty much guarantees you a playoff spot. Unless somebody else goes twenty-one and eleven over that stretch, sure, sure. So if you can just take care of business in a manageable way, two yeah. out of three here, you know, split a series against the Royals, just finish a few games over five hundred the next three weeks. Yeah, we are legit talking about a playoff baseball team here. Yeah, I think that I don't want to tamper this excitement. So I'll first tell my quick story. I mean, they're in the driver's seat big time. Yes, so yes for sure. Let me to just get chuck into a, a few more coolers full of, of Twins Kool-Aid right now. To get into a coin flip game, keep that in mind. But still, it's exciting if you've followed this team all the way through last year's you know, disaster of a season. Last year was an unmitigated disaster. The pitching fell apart. They had no answers. They fired their longtime GM, uh, one of the most loyal owners in pro sports, decided it was time to move on from a guy he'd employed for two decades. Like it was a, it was, it was huge. It was a, it was a huge shakeup. And now the Twins have different leadership in the baseball side of things. And the fact that it's turned around as quickly as it has, I think, would surprise even the most raging Twins optimist, including. The people who made that hire, I don't think they would have sat through the hiring process, heard all the flaws about their team pointed out and exposed by candidates and and strengths. But you hear all the strengths and weaknesses pointed out by these candidates that you're vetting to hire as your new baseball man and baseball person, I should say. Um, But like you don't get done with those meetings, that interview, that hiring process and think – yeah, no, we're probably going to be playing meaningful baseball in October next yeah. year. <laughs> like it just—it's cognitive dissonance. It would not make any sense. But here we are, uh, just 
was it yesterday, two days ago? I had said uh, a couple of weeks back, you and I had that California trip coming up. I had uh, a couple of friends' weddings that I had to be out of town for on, on weekends. I was off the Twins beat for like 10 days. I know nobody noticed, and that's fine. But like, I, <laughs> Actually, so I, more people clicked on Jake DePew stories, yeah, yeah, who's probably, been doing a really good job for us on 1500ESPN.com. hammered the website while I was gone. It was great. The way that I uh, it was, was going to try to back into the story was that like a couple of weeks ago, I had sort of thought to myself, I knew I had those trips planned, and I thought – you know, well, that was a fun twin season. I am kind of tired. Like it's been a long run since since spring training started. And I did an ebook this year before spring training. Like it's it's been a lot of work, and the twins made it fun. And it's too bad that it had to end this way by selling off at the trade deadline, and then they'll be irrelevant by the time I leave town. Well, lo and behold, they are now not only relevant, but as you just mentioned, I think in the driver's seat they are. If the pitching holds up, if you keep getting good starts from Kyle Gibson and Bartolo Colon, I, even like I'm not even going to rely on Gibson. Actually, let's let's because this is a this is a good uh, segue into because you're starting to go down the roster path. Sure, I actually have a pretty, I'll call it a semi bold statement I about heard their this roster on the radio. It's a hot take. It's a verified hot take. Okay, so we'll get to that in a second. But my friends on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard in the Twin Cities here, Luther Brookdale Toyota have been helping my family and I for three-plus decades. Um, they have been like sort of a secondary family to us. You know, your car is part of your family. And so you want people you trust handling the service. And when it's time to trade in, when it's time to investigate buying a new vehicle or leasing, whatever it may be, you want people that you trust and... I'm not going to kid you around. If you drive around the Twin Cities, there's countless car dealerships and service departments. But the reason why my family and I keep coming back and the reason why um, after the passing of my mother who introduced me to Luther Brookdale Toyota, well, I'm going to keep going back and paying it forward and recommending it to people is because we want them to stay in our family uh, just based on the care and the work that they do. So stop by their website. Stop by their dealership. Open until 9 o'clock most weeknights. 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard and LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. We'll get back to more Twins discussion in just a second here on the Touch em All podcast. But first, a couple quick points we want to make, a couple quick reminders. Number one, if you're not subscribed to the Touch em All podcast on iTunes, it's super easy to click the subscribe button and get the latest episodes right to your smartphone. So subscribe to us and help us out on iTunes. Number two, we ask that if you like this and you got Twins fans, friends, share it with them. Quick, quick uh, statement before we get into your hot take because it's it's hot. I know you don't think that it is. You can't really see your own takes. You sure. can't. You can't. I, I, I'm too close to the. You're take. not a neutral yeah, observer. I'm too close to the take. You can't yeah. sit and observe it as a third party. That's why Judd doesn't think his takes are hot. And then you watch a preseason Vikings game with him and watch him like nearly go into cardiac arrest over Dude, the he, offensive line. He and think, ended a okay. Vikings take on our show yesterday, yeah. and it was like he was building up to this big, profound point, and yeah. he ended it with. I'm trying to think of who he was talking about. I think he was talking about Laquan Treadwell, the Vikings wide receiver, the former first round pick. And yeah. he ended the the point with and so like based on his attributes, he's gonna get beat up this season on the field. And I said, All football players get beat up. Yeah. Like that's scorching hot. <laughs> Be careful. <laughs> careful walking out on that wet more level limb there. Um anyway, my quick story was just that so we had all this travel plan and you know, kinda looking at the fall. I might go to Arizona Fall League this year, go visit my grandpa in Arizona and and I I told my girlfriend the other day that 
like you know i said october 1st would probably be the last twins game and that like my time would be freed up a little bit you meant november that. 1st <laughs> just just so you know that's i'm feeling a lot less confident about that prediction now than i did Three, four weeks ago, and I, I told mean, you that. There's so. a chance we might be taking the show back to L.A. at some point to Chavez Ravine for a <laughs> World gonna, Series game. I was going to say, are we, is that a, the play-in game? Uh, the Angels going to make well, that other wild so card? He, so here's my point. And you probably taking it, hot, it to New York, but go ahead. Well, they're for sure going to play. That's the, that's the irony, that they they come back after this long playoff drought, and it's the same team that's been blocking them for like 15 years, the Yankees standing at the gate, which is right. I think that's the way that I would want it. Yep. Um, but... I actually think I like the Twins roster better when you get to the playoffs because everything tightens up. The Twins aren't terribly suited for a playoff series if you look at what they offer. The things that are in question are bullpen depth, starting rotation depth, I think back end of the bullpen too, assuming that Matt Belial is not going to stay this type of hot. But if you just go up and down and look at and it's a flawed team still. They're not the Dodgers, okay? They're not going to win 120 games. They're not... They're not one through nine, the best lineup we've seen in 10 years in baseball. But they have a top half of the league offense even before the Byron Buxton hot stretch here. I want to say they're like 12th or 14th in weighted on base average. And that doesn't account for the fact that Buxton's probably going to stay hot through September to some degree. Polanco's back. Miguel Sano, hopefully, for the Twins, comes back here in the next five to ten days or so. So it's a formidable lineup that you don't just scoff at if you're the Astros or the Yankees. Sano, Maurer, 380 on base percentage. Buxton, MVP caliber play since July 1st. So it's a formidable lineup. On the pitching, Irvin Santana. Mm -hmm. He's bounced back again the last month or so. He's been one of the better pitchers in the American League from the start of the season. Jose Barrios has hit some bumps on the pavement, but those two guys are both capable of shutting down great lineups for seven or eight innings. And Bartolo Colon, seasoned veteran, like he's been fine for the Twins so far. <laughs> Surprising. You also have a potential top prospect starter in Steven Gonsalves, who's been pretty darn good in three of his four starts for AAA Rochester. Could make a case that he deserves the fifth rotation spot when it comes around this weekend. So he could make an impact in September. And both Trevor Hildenberger and Matt Belisle have been lights out for like three months. So you've got some stability, at least right now. So are they the Dodgers? No. Are they the Astros from the first half of the season? No. Do I kind of, in a twisted way, like this team when you start to tighten up the rotation and tighten up the guys you would use in the bullpen? I kind of do when hmm. Buxton's hot and Polanco's hot. Yeah. Well. So I kind of like them in a playoff series as a scrappy underdog. So I'm usually optimism reigns guy, and I realize that I'm about to play wet blanket here. That's fine. I think that we tend to over um, over project in either way when you follow a team closely. Like the this winter, we're talking about how come they haven't made any moves? How come they're a totally flawed team? They got no shot. And you know, we do this with the Vikings too, as I was just joking about uh, over Judd, but like the the same thing is true when things start to go well. So I always try to keep in mind, like, wait, what's my middle ground? And in which direction am I straying from what I thought yesterday? And and how far have I strayed? And that's kind of the way I think this. When I hear you talking about, like, Irvin Santana and, and Jose Barreos totally capable of shutting down an opposing team for eight innings. Both of those guys also capable of blowing up. 
How many five yeah, and dives I mean, do you have, see? Yeah, they don't have Clayton Kershaw. Exactly of right. Of course not. And even Clayton Kershaw, prone to bo- but blow But I guess my point is, unlike in, unlike in even some of their postseason years from 10 years ago, where, like, in 2010, they went into a playoff series with Carl Pavano as their ace with some combination of, I think, Scott Baker or Francisco Liriano as the number two starter, and Brian Dunsing was pitching at Yankee Stadium in an elimination game as yeah. a starting pitcher. Yeah. Irvin Santana this season is better than Carl Pavano in 2010. Agreed. And Jose Barrios this season is better than both Carl Pavano and Francisco Liriano in yes. 2010. Agreed. So, like, now I'm not saying that this team is better than that team, but when you start to tighten things up and yeah. look at what you would need in a playoff series, yeah. I'm starting to come around on a couple sure. of these things. And sure. if they could get the if they could get the Michael Walker effect from like a Steven Gonzalez, that you just inject a guy from the minors yep. who's ready to burst on the scene onto your roster in September, even better if that yeah. happens. I, th- I think I think we're thinking along the same lines here. I just hear a lot of if this I'm happens, pouring if champagne all over my body. That's so right. I don't know if we are <laughs> okay, thinking along no. the same line. Okay, never mind. We're not actually thinking. <laughs> I was thinking about you pouring champagne over your body, but that's a totally unrelated thread. I think that when I think about uh, the Twins and some of their top-level competition, yeah, having this stretch of 19 games against what you'd consider inferior competition, although the Rays are basically the same team, yeah, it, it, it ain't like that inferior. That's the Twins right. have like three more wins than the Rays yeah, to like, this point in the season. Congratulations. So, yeah. You know, like the, what, where's your award for that? Right. But the, the, the idea though still is that, okay, they can make hay while the sun's shining. And then you're playing the Yankees and you're playing the Indians and that's that's all fine. Like I said, I think that they're in the, the – they're in a really good position to make the postseason. However, once they make that postseason, they're in a coin flip game at best – no matter what the starting pitching matchup is, it's like 50-50 if the Twins are lucky, and it's more likely you know, 55-45 or 60-40 favoring the Yankees. I think we'll take it. I, and, I think in this town, totally, we'll, we'll... 100%. If that game is played in October, yeah. that's totally fine. If you told me on New Year's Day this year that, like, hey, I know the Twins just lost 103 games and the new guy is two months into his tenure and they haven't really done anything and, like, you just wrote a big Chris Jimenez column because it's like the third biggest move of the offseason. Uh, the Twins will have only a 40% chance to win their play-in wildcard playoff game this year. I would have been like, okay, stop. You're crazy. You're joking. And here they are. So this is totally – it's not to discredit them at all. I just, I just get – caught down then in the math of thinking like okay well then that's still an uphill climb you got the Yankees and there are better teams than the Twins in the American League they they should make hay they should make the postseason and then I think they'll be overmatched pretty much no matter what even though this like roster tightening I do think it helps them I just there's a chance they could even I mean this is this is the crazy last five weeks that we've experienced here it wouldn't shock me if they added a reliever in the next couple of days. Oh yeah, not at all. It is what is it? It's August twenty eighth or 29th, 29th today. So they got they have a couple of days before the waiver deadline, mm-hmm. and there's probably a lot of guys who've cleared through waivers or might even might even be sent through waivers at some point. So like they could go from buyers to sellers back to buyers. Yeah, I know, and it wouldn't. It would. I would have said three weeks ago or four weeks ago when they traded Brandon Kinsler, and I and I called it, Matt is going to be the closer, and he's going to tally a few saves, he's going to get hot, and then my second prediction was, and then they're going to trade him trade as well. Him. Right. But they're not now because they need him. Well. Like They need Matt Belial to be their closer in September. That's the point we've gotten to here. 
Who would have said that in That's May right. when he was getting shelled for five earned runs and the ERA was bloating up to nine? That or, at some point you're going to hope that he doesn't get traded right, this season. Or we were all freaking out because they took Byung-Ho Park's roster spot to give it to you know, middle reliever Matt Belisle. And, and to his credit, he's been good. It's been an incredible turnaround for Belisle, not only in the middle of games, but at the back end of games. And that's, like I said, I'm usually optimism reigns guy. I know there are going to be people listening to this podcast and saying like, Wetmore, you Debbie Downer, I hate you. And I know I understand it. I wear it. That's fine. I just hear a lot of ifs. If Trevor Hildenberger is this good, and, and I like him, if Matt Belisle continues to be a great relief option, have my doubts. If Bartolo Colon, have my doubts. If Kyle Gibson, have my doubts. They've so, made it this far, though. That's the thing. Like, they I don't... know. And you know what? Judd used the perfect phrase the other day. Usually I'm ripping him um, on this podcast because he's the opposite of me. He's he's overreactionary. He's always thinking six steps down the road and, and why something probably could go devastatingly wrong. And in this case, he used a perfect phrase, so I owe him the compliment. The Twins right now are playing not only for uh, the end of August here, but then through all of September and then into October, they are playing with house money. They shouldn't be here, and they are, and that's not only to their credit. It's also – I think it means that the pressure is on everybody else. You go into a postseason series with the Yankees, and the nation is expecting the Yankees to win – that's a hell of a lot more pressure than a Twins team who snuck up on everybody, quietly developed a superstar behind the scenes, yeah. and blasted off in August all the way through uh, to, to nab a postseason spot. So, like, they're, they're in a good spot. They're in a good spot for the postseason. And the rest of the way, house money, man. You're just playing with house money. Let me give you let's, – let's wrap it. And I, I have a feeling we're going to be doing a lot more Touch Em All podcasts now that we're back in town. You and I have – I've had a bunch of stuff going on in my life with my mother passing away. We were both in L.A. for a podcast convention. But now that the Twins are relevant and it's almost September, um, we're, I think we're going to be able to ramp up and have some fun by doing just Rattle more down, Twins baby. podcasts. But let's finish this podcast with the stat of the show. Okay. Yeah, that's Which right. Which our second our second week doing this. We're doing it. What sponsor did you come up with? You call around this week. You know, we're Somebody just going to leave a five second pause here <laughs> right. for any sponsor that would like to jump on board with the stat of the show. I thought you were going to walk around the podcast convention, knocking on doors and asking, <laughs> "Would you like to sponsor the stat of the show for the Touch Mall podcast?" Yeah. So, uh, any and all sponsors welcome. D Wetmore at fifteen hundred ESPN dot com or P Mackey at fifteen hundred ESPN dot com. So. The question about Byron Buxton is, and we did a deep dive on the we did it, we've done a couple deep dives mm-hmm. on Buxton, but we did a deep dive yesterday on the radio, and you can find that, and also I believe Derek Falvey's appearance right. with you and me and Judd Zilgad on our radio show at the State Fair. You can find that also on the Touch Mall feed. The question is: Is this just another hot stretch for Buxton, or is this for real, or is this just like last September when he feasted on forty man roster pitching and? And, uh, and and regressed back to earth when the season started this year. I think it's for real for a few reasons, namely this one. When you go back to 2016 September, yes, he hit nine home runs. He went bonkers. He batted. Uh, he, his OPS was over 1,000 for the month. But his strikeout rate was still between 35 and 40% of plate appearances for that month. Mm-hmm. So... He was still swinging and missing a lot. I think inexperienced pitchers, to some degree, were grooving pitches that they shouldn't or that better pitchers wouldn't. If you look at Byron Buxton these last two months, and we haven't even gotten to the 40-man roster pitching version 
uh, or or portion of the season, instead of a 35 to 40 percent strikeout rate, which it was last September and it was earlier this year, it's 23 percent over the last two months, mm-hmm. which is sort of like league average. It's that's much closer to league average than worst in baseball. I think because he's cut down on the swings and misses so much that we're not just seeing a hot stretch. We're seeing a guy with world-class speed put the ball in play and with power from time to time. So I'm buying stock this time around. Yeah, uh, the stat of the week, then the strikeout rate. Mm-hmm. I think you're 100% right. I think it's a big differentiator from September Buxton. And let's note this because we've said it all along every time – that I wanted to uh, sell his stock or hedge his stock or you know uh, stop my losses on on having bought so much Buxton stock over the years. I, I said it sort of with caveats like small sample size, and that's still true here. You know, 150 plate appearances. But I said it with the caveat always, whether I was saying good things or bad things, of most guys. Don't reach the big leagues by the time they're Buxton's age. And this is his third partial season in the majors. So, like, just stop for a moment. That fact is incredible. Yes, you get the Bryce Harpers of the world, the Carlos Correas, the Francisco Lindors. Guys come up and, and frankly, dominate at a younger age than Buxton. But I do think that the modern, um, I guess, proclivity of young players to just succeed right away has it's definitely skewed my perception of young players. Now I see a guy 24 in the minors and I think like, oh, all right, call me when you call me when you make your big league appearance. Mm-hmm. But like that's kind of the norm. You 24 you're in double and triple A and then you're working on your craft to try to get to the next level, all except the most talented among them and that underscores Buxton's talent that despite a sort of a ghastly strikeout rate, despite not really being a power guy, Despite the fact that he wasn't, he didn't have contact skills to build around on the rest of the foundation of him as a hitter, as a major league player, he was 22, 23. Like that part can't be overlooked. The fact that he's succeeding now, still at a very young age, and I think that's one of the main reasons the age and also his sort of just steadfast determination is one of the reasons that I've heard behind the scenes the Twins were high on him all the way through. Despite Despite huge contact problems, and now that he has it, maybe he's the total package. Yeah, I know one of the things that I've heard behind the scenes, and this isn't just the new front office, but this is yeah. also something that that they've done like in the last couple of years. Um, if they'll talk to hitters like Miguel Sano and Byron Buxton and say, "Okay, who who do you sort of want to model your game after? What kind of hitters would you yeah. would you like to profile yourself after?" And you know, I'm just making up these comparisons, but if if for Miguel Sano, the answer was Miguel Cabrera, or if for Byron Buxton, the answer was Mike Trout or whatever, the Twins have gone to great lengths to go to those players and explain in layman's terms, okay, well, here are the types of pitches that these hitters are swinging at. Mm-hmm. Here's how often these hitters are swinging, period. And here are your strengths and the areas that you should be looking to drive the ball in. I mean, sure. they're, they're good. And you can tell with Buxton, it's been an up-and-down process with mechanics and just his pitch recognition. Yeah. But right now, off-speed, he's lining it to left field or hitting towering home runs and fly balls. Fastballs, up the middle to right field. I think that's how you make your money if you're him. Yeah. I mean, that's how that's how Kirby, Kirby Puckett, hang him and bang him. 
<laughs> Fastballs up the middle into right field, curveballs, left field seats. Yeah. And Miguel Cabrera is largely the same way. I think it'd be interesting to sit in on that meeting, especially with a player who kind of like bristles at, at the metrics. And, okay, how do you communicate this to somebody? Because that's a huge part of winning as a baseball front office right now is taking the, the data that you believe in and you know relaying it to somebody who doesn't believe in it. it like if you tell Eddie Rosario, hey, man – uh, good player, and I like your I like your swing mostly. I don't love that you chase pitches. I'll just cut to the chase. You have power. I like your hands. I like your game in the outfield. Mm-hmm. But you need to take your chase rate from like fifty six percent to like thirty six. I mean, and he's definitely one of them that they've talked to. Like, 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 I I will put money on the fact that that communication has gone down. Yeah. I just don't know. How and if you're the twins, that's kind of the secret sauce right now, and it's one of the main reasons. Jorge Polanco, Eddie Rosario, Max Kepler, Byron Buxton, Miguel Sano for a while there. I mean, maybe even to guys like Brian Dozier, Joe Maurer, guys who know their swing, know their strengths. Ah, that that line of communication is important. No, oh, hold on, that's an opportunity knocking again. Jeez. 